0: Both well, Joe and Steve were talking about how that fast pace, going up to know oh, how like how much different is it going. Oh, I mean, uh, it's going to be a lot different. Um, gonna try not to tell you how different it's gonna. <laughs> gonna try not to tell you how different it's going to be, but um, I'm excited about it. I'm fired up. This is this is why you work so hard for.
1: He is so locked in on the field. Everybody else got
2: to say something different about that, in about that. Joe Burrow.
3: He's
0: not going to panic. His eyes are downfield Joe Burrow. I'm going to I'm going to i million.
4: Oh, I'm going to oh, seven, three, yeah. I'm going to Joe Joe.
5: I'm going to Part one. The, the vision. The t- out,
6: man.
5: Wearing a bucket hat and, and a new haircut, Joe Burrow tries to explain a vision Break. almost no one else can see. It's, it's summer in Louisiana, the heat's so hot it's made Burrow trim his flowing Midwestern locks do. and don a dry-fit boonie for the first time in his life. <laughs> the hair is gone, huh? What was the
0: thinking Have you been out there today? It's like 100 degrees out there. It's like my hair is like like you put a bag over your head. I had to cut
5: that. He's from the Plains, a tiny Appalachia township in southeast Ohio. Even after a year on the bayou, he's still getting used to the climate. The reporters gathered around Burrow at the Manning Passing Academy in Thibodeau, Louisiana, are so close that it can't help matters, thermally speaking. Meanwhile, they're peppering him with questions about LSU's new offense and his hopes for his senior season. And boy, do they have questions. In the year before this moment, Burrow had transferred from Ohio State and won the starting job at LSU before leading the Tigers to a 10-win season and a Fiesta Bowl victory. He was tough. He was gritty. And he was, for most of the season, good, throwing for more than 2,800 yards and tallying 23 touchdowns. Good enough never is, though. Not in Burrow's world and not in football's. If he was going to reach the lofty expectations LSU fans placed upon him when he arrived in Baton Rouge and accomplish the loftier goals he had for himself, he was going to have to be better than good in 2019. He would have to be great. And despite Burrow's confidence in a new offense and after a year of developing, the media gathered in Thibodeau are skeptical. How different, really, is this offense going to be, they ask. Burrow greets the question with a knowing smile. How yeah, different so is
0: I'm going to try not to tell you how different it's going
5: to be, but um, I'm excited about it. You, it. Now he's wearing a full-on ear-to-ear smile, pearly whites and all. It's practically holding up his bucket hat at this point. It's the look of a man who knows something you don't. Soon he's making claims it will be Once they're posted to social media in the hours after this interview, met with polar opposite receptions. To LSU fans, Burrow's assurance of an offense that will score, quote, 40, 50, 60 points a game is music to their ears. To almost everyone else, it's mockery fodder. Collectively, the college football world turns Burrow's confidence into a punchline. That many points? At LSU? It would take a Heisman worthy season from a quarterback with 200 to 1 preseason Heisman odds. No chance, they say. And they sort of had a point. They at least had history on their side. Since Heisman betting was allowed on the boards in Vegas in 2015, every player that had won the award started at 50 to 1 or better. Not since Johnny Manziel started the 2012 season off the Heisman board entirely on offshore markets had a quarterback made such an improbable run. They couldn't see Burroughs' vision. They couldn't believe he was capable of that sort of season, no matter how tough and gritty and good he'd been before. Before Burrow's explosion this season, before his rise from Heisman afterthought to Heisman frontrunner, before Ohio State surplus became LSU superstar, there was almost no one who could have seen it coming. Except for Burrow, his family, And everyone in the plains who saw it coming all along because they'd seen it before. (laughs) Part two the first transfer. Sam Vandervin saw it when Burrow was in third grade. That's when Joe arrived in the Plains, the son of Ohio University's new defensive coordinator, Jimmy. That was a big deal for Sam and his fellow second graders who were big OU football fans. One of the coaches'
7: kids is in our grade. Vandervin remembers thinking, you know, one of the coach's kids is in our grade and, you know, the first glimpse that we had at him was baseball and it was our summer baseball team that he was on. And the kid was just crazy good athlete. So it was a lot to be excited for when he first came in. and then
5: They called him shady because he always wore sunglasses. Jimmy says it was mostly because Joe's eyes, for whatever reason, were sensitive to the sun, but they all thought it was cool. Even cooler was Burrow's talent and competitive drive. He arrived in Ohio with both. The son of a former Nebraska football player and the brother of two others, Burrow was born into a competitive family and took quickly to all sports, baseball in particular. In Ames, Iowa, where Burrow was born, the family lived in a two-story ranch house. Joe would spend hours in the backyard with a baseball bat and a wiffle ball, launching homers over the roof from the front yard to the back.
1: Okay, I'm Jimmy Burrow, Joe's dad.
8: And I'm Robin Burrow, Joe's mom. And I think probably my earliest memories are back in Ames when he was, um, he would have been three or four years old. And um, he he could really hit a baseball, and uh, a wiffle ball. We did wiffle ball then. And, I mean, <laughs> he could hit wiffle balls over the top of our house. And we had a... Two-story ranch or a ranch house, not like a full two stories. But um, he could hit the wiffle ball over our house when he was three and four years old.
1: And we get mad when he when he did. Yeah, and uh,
8: he had to have a certain number. He would always choose however many he was going to hit that day, <laughs> and that's what he did.
5: From that point forward, Joe was hooked. Competition was his addiction. Winning in anything was his sole objective. When he played coach's pitch, he kept score, even though no one else did. In basketball, he wanted to shoot threes when others were still learning layups. As he grew older, the wiffle balls flew higher and further. He moved to Fargo and picked up flag football, where he caught passes and played defense, but kept an eye on quarterback.
8: He's always wanted to, to be the person with the ball in the hand and be the person scoring points, whether it was soccer or basketball or baseball or football so it's it's just in his dna i guess
5: how about his competitive nature and this can go back to kind of childhood how do you remember his competitiveness manifesting itself maybe even outside of sports and other stuff i mean that's sam vandervin again
7: i've said it before he's the most competitive dude on the planet like without a doubt like whether it's a video game or just anything outside of sports like he's a ruthless dude in, in terms of competition.
5: Burrow hated losing and loved winning with equal zeal. Soon, the walls of his bedroom were lined with trophies, but hardware has never motivated Burrow, yeah, I mean, unless it reminds him never of a
1: defeat. paid attention to, to many. I'll, I'll give you a quick story. The only trophy that he ever paid attention to was we, we got second in a, a baseball tournament, and one of his best friends had thrown the second place a, a trophy in the garbage can so we 're driving home, and we 're just you know horrified that that happened and so Joe gets home, and we go up to his room in about an hour afterwards, and he had dismantled the second place trophy so that 's our our uh, only time that we remember him really having something to do with a with trophy that that he won and again, they they hated to lose, and they got second, the one threw it away, and Joe basically tore his up and uh, you know, we weren't proud of that, but <laughs> it was, uh, we, we tried to teach him a little lesson w- w- about humility there and, and taking losses.
5: but There was something different about this kid. Everyone could see it, especially when he arrived in Ohio. Shades on his face and a competitive fire burning so intensely in his gut, you could see its glow in his eyes. The only problem? Burrow initially enrolled at the Plains Elementary literally within shouting distance of his childhood home. The friends he played sports with went to Morrison, five miles south in Athens. So, for the first time, Joe made the
1: switch. You know, he started at one elementary school, but most of his friends that were on those teams, or at least a lot of them, went to another elementary school, and uh, he wanted to be with his his friends and teammates, so he We had him transfer over there. That was his first transfer. (laughs) (laughs) Part
5: three. Shady arrives. Let's let's start the same way we started there when I was just state your name and
2: title, I guess, and how you know Joe. Um, Sam Smathers. uh, Coached uh, youth football for, I don't know, years. uh, Sam Smathers
5: saw it when Burrow was in third grade, too.
2: Back in 94.
5: Smathers, who founded the town's youth football program in 1994, needed a quarterback for his third and fourth grade team. Usually, that honor would go to a fourth grader who had taken his lumps the year before. But the year Burrow arrived in town, the quarterback from the year prior decided not to go
2: out for football. And that's where I first met Joey. Um, he was walking up, we was having a football camp up on the hill here, and my assistant coach came over and he said, Well, found our quarterback. And it's so um, always a the said, well, and, and so he's the joke. And, Here comes this boy with sunglasses on, walking up the hill, you know, kind of got that Joe Strutt, you know, just kind of walking into, you know, camp. And I said, okay. Burrow had never
5: played quarterback before, but he knew the game. He learned to ride his bike on the field at Memorial Stadium in Lincoln. Football was the fabric of his life. He understood the sport, which is more than half the battle when you're trying to teach the wing tee to preteens. Jimmy still blames Mathers for breaking up the family's defensive legacy by putting Joe at quarterback.
2: Are you the reason that he played offense instead of playing defense? Well, he played defense too. Don't don't. I let him play defense too. Okay, so we uh, his dad, you know, big defensive coach. But he was the kid that um, when you run the wing T, there's a lot of things going on with the quarterback. You know, and Joey was the center nucleus of that back then. And, uh, but yeah, I guess I'm to blame. His dad blamed me for that. He said, you're the reason he's a quarterback. And I said, no, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I needed one. And, but yeah, we did that. Like most who've known Burrow since his time on the Plains, Smathers calls him
5: Joey. And Joey quickly took to the position. He still loved defense and tackling. His favorite days were those Smathers put the team through Oklahoma drills. But it was clear even that early, he was ahead of the curve under center. Take, for example, the time Burrow read the defense and noticed the middle linebacker too far from the center of the field. He checked into an audible. QB sneak on bump.
2: And before the defense knew what hit them, Um, he was in the end zone. We were playing a game, and he was the one kid that I – he had one audible. I mean, basically. And I'd tell him all the time, if the pit's open, which means there's no linebacker over the center – and the pits open, we call QB sneak on bump. It's play number one in my playbook from years. And if anybody you ask anybody that played for me, if you say what's play number one in Coach Sam's playbook, it's QB sneak on bump. He ran for a sixty yard touchdown on that. And it was all him. And that's poise. That's you know, taking the team, seeing it, and you know, never you know, didn't get flustered about anything. He just walked up and seen it and then center knows he bumped, gone. And you don't get that with a lot of kids in fourth grade, you know, that that have that IQ, that have that poise to sit there and and see that at that age. By sixth grade, Smathers had ditched the wing tee
5: in favor of the spread double-wide shotgun hurry-up. Watch film of Burrow's sixth grade team, and you might think Joe Brady was designing the passing concepts. He read defenses, threw outside the hashes, and took shots downfield. The team played their games in Peton Stadium on Ohio's campus. And Jimmy's office overlooked the field.
1: My office at Ohio University is in Peden Stadium, and it overlooked our stadium and uh, uh, the games for for really four years.
8: Yeah, uh, whole time that Joe. Whole played. time Joe
1: was in. Uh, uh, I forget what that league was called, but I could just turn my chair around and continue to do some work on Sundays and uh, and, and watch Joe. So I, w- I was fortunate that at least the and all the games at that point were were played there was no away game so every sunday i could see him play it was pretty awesome
5: at night they'd watch film joe sometimes players jimmy was recruiting other times jimmy tried not to force football on his son but joe devoured it if the tv was on there's a good chance he was watching football with a coach's eye
8: jimmy definitely watched film with him on uh, after joe's games and Jimmy would be watching his own game film and, and recruit game film here at home. And we all sat and watched that, honestly. Um, and I'm sure Joe picked up on that initially. And, I mean, that's just what he th- thought was normal, th- to sit and study the game, like you said, and, and understand that watching film, you get better, whether you're watching, your fi- watching film yourself playing football or you know, doing something else, you get you get better when you're watching yourself do it. So um, I think that that was just a natural progression for him because he didn't know any different.
1: I tried not to 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 make him do that. He he, he seemed to enjoy doing it, and it wasn't like we grind it away for three hours or anything. <laughs> you know, we we watch his game uh, fairly quickly, point out some things, and and uh, you know that happened uh, uh, for a lot of years. On
5: the field, it worked to Joe's advantage, except when he played on scout team. Smathers, a defensive coach by nature, put Burrow in on scout one week to run an opponent's offense while he was working on schemes with his defensive players. As the defense piled up stops, Burrow huddled his teammates up and designed a new offense on the fly.
2: He's running scout offense. We're getting ready for a good game. And uh, he's running scout offense. So I'm over there with the defense because I'm I'm a defensive coach. And... uh, yeah. we're working on something and we have their list of plays that they're going to run and next thing I know he's doing this and he's doing that and the assistant coaches it was hey it ain't me Joey's wanting to run this and I just hollered at him I said Joe stick to the script what they're running this ain't you and he's drawing stuff up just to you know get us and it was you know it was pretty I mean but I just I'm like that's Joey you know he said no oh, I can could, I could beat that defense I can do this and this is in sixth grade so yeah, he has, you know, that's Joey. And that's, his, that's how his mind thinks. The IQ is high, and, and uh, we all knew that. When you have a guy like that behind the wheel, throw him the keys of that Ferrari, baby. Let him run it.
5: Joey buckets.
3: So, he was when he here. So he was part; of, they were part of the whole hire when Solich got here and Coach Burrow.
5: Tom Vanderwind saw it on the basketball court. Tom, Sam's father and Joe's fourth-grade basketball coach, is a professor of sociology at Ohio University whose areas of research include criminology. Early on, he saw signs in Burrow he'd only previously seen in studies of first responders. For most of
3: us, when it's a high-intensity situation, anxiety-producing situation, we run in the other direction. So that's why law enforcement, um, emergency medical services personnel, um, those who, who are successful at the job are, are unique people because they run towards danger. think about it, uh, military personnel too. Um, uh, so they run towards danger. Most of us run away from it or it's just, it's such a stressful situation that we don't feel comfortable in that situation. I think Joe thrives on that and, and so, while um, he may have all the same physiological effects that the rest of us would in the high-intensity situation, he doesn't let it affect his performance. And you can see it in his eyes. There's that flat, poised, all-business sort of thing. Um, Joe is cool in the very old-school term, uh, use of the term cool, like in a Joe DiMaggio kind of cool, Uh, quiet, in charge... Just unflappable.
5: Both Vandervin men bore witness to that quality during a game pitting Burroughs' fourth-grade squad against Maysville, a town about an hour north of the Plains. Maysville held an eight-point advantage with 30 seconds left, and Burroughs' team was down to just four men after several players fouled out. So, Joe took over. First, a steal. Then, a drive to the basket for an and-one. Burrow was happy to embellish the contact. He's always hated losing.
3: So we've got four kids left. So it's one of these things where the ref says, uh, Coach, you only got four players. I think that's my team. <laughs> that's my team. We've only got four players left. So down by 30, uh, down by eight with 30 seconds left, and Joe took over. Um, and that, was, that game was where I knew he was different from everybody else. So um, he, uh, he stole the ball. Uh, he took it to the hoop. He pretended he—it was the best-selling um, job of a of a um, of a blocking foul that I've ever seen. So he took it to the hoop, just mowed somebody over and, ah! and yelled, exclaimed out there. Um, so uh, drew the foul. Um, he made seven free throws in a row in that 30-second period, which. I, you know, you're a basketball player. You remember back when you were a kid. Uh, nine-year-olds don't hit more than two free throws, and often it's hard to get them to hit two free throws in a row. But there was a there was a stoic, sort of flat, poised uh, look on his face, standing at the free throw line, just draining one after another. Meanwhile, the other coach and I are basically, you know, coming completely unglued on the bench, um, just. Freaking out that this isn't, you know, uh, for this kid and for the situation we're in. But Joe just kept draining free throws. Um, he scored nine points in 30 seconds, and we won the game. And again, flat affect, so poised, unflappable. You didn't see it. Now, after the game, he started to look like the nine-year-old again. The look on his face, the the relief, and and all that. So um, he became a kid again
5: after the game. So it did affect him. But during the game, I've never I'd never seen anything like it. Jeff Skinner saw it on the basketball court, too. He was Burrow's coach for four seasons at Athens High School, where, after football season, Burrow racked up four all-division honors and, as a senior, made All-State and was the TVC Ohio Player of the Year. In fact, after his wiffle ball days, basketball was Burrow's first love. He idolized, still does, Cleveland Cavalier Matthew Delevadova, and in junior high, Robin would drive him from baseball games an hour and 15 minutes twice a day for AAU practice at Chillicothe. He did homework on the drive there and back and arrived home in time for bed. As a sophomore, Creighton called and expressed an interest in recruiting him.
1: Uh, at some point in time, Robin would drive about an hour or 15 minutes to uh, uh, Chillicothe twice a week for him to practice. And his, his body type at the time, taller, slender, uh, could, could really shoot uh again, you know, one of the first things you do is shoot basketball, and, and he always liked doing that. Uh, my dad was a basketball coach, played basketball at Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, I think when he was a either a sophomore or a junior, Creighton University gave him a call. So that perked his interest, and he'd go to basketball camps and uh, uh, probably thought he was going to be a college basketball player in, until – really is maybe a sophomore year mm-hmm. at uh, at Ames high uh, and uh, I'm sorry Athens Gotham. high and uh, you can get cut that out but uh, <laughs> uh, and it was easy to, to, to go to the community center or wherever with his friends and, and shoot shoot basketball and and uh, those type things and and he was really good at it uh, most people think uh, if he'd had just chosen basketball he probably could have played uh, Division 1 basketball. Uh,
4: My name is Jeff Skinner. I was the head basketball coach at Athens High School for a number of years. I was Joe's uh, head coach for four years. Uh, Joe's been here uh, since he was in the third grade in my daughter's class. I had him in class. I still teach at Athens Middle School.
5: So one of the things that we want to do is tell people about the Joe Burrow they don't know.
4: So tell me about Joe Burrow, the basketball player. Uh, Joe from day one had the maybe the oddest leadership that I, I've ever ever seen. It's Coach White and I have talked about it. His leadership is almost prophetic in nature, in in that he doesn't even try to lead, and other people follow him. Um, On the floor, Burrow was
5: his best post player and his best point guard. He played everywhere. Prepared like a maniac, and mastered the rules of Athens' matchup zone. When people would ask what the rules of the defense were, Skinner would reply, I don't know. You're going to need to ask
4: Joe.
5: Just once does Skinner remember raising his voice at Burrow. That came at halftime of the district semifinals during Burrow's sophomore year when he took just two shots and Athens entered the locker room trailing by 15.
4: You know, his sophomore year, we're playing in the district semifinals. And we have won one district championship here since consolidation back in 1967. And so we have a matchup with a team that we think we're better than. And we go in at halftime down by 15. And so I'm walking Joe out after halftime. I wasn't very happy, obviously. And I wasn't very happy with Joe. I asked him, how many shots you, how many shots you took this first half? He said, no. I said, you took two shots, two shots. I said, did somebody tell you to not take any shots? No. I said, well, what's going on? So I was just trying to get everybody else involved. I said, stop trying to get everybody else involved, okay? We need you to take a lot of shots. We need you to take over this game, and and he did. We uh, cut the lead to two or three by the end of the third quarter and then come back, and we ended up winning the district championship a couple weeks ago, but but, uh, a couple weeks after that, but, you know, the, one of the real uncanny things about that whole group, and it, it, they all follow Joe, is that there wasn't going to be a lot of celebrating after games, it's just what they did. We win the district championship, first one since consolidation, and we started the game out the 27-2 to lead because Joe's playing great. And after the game, I wanted to do cartwheels and back handsprings across the gym floor at Ohio University. and. I turn around, and there's Joe and the boys. They're just getting in line to shake hands because that's what they did. They just won. Two
5: more stories stand out to Skinner about Burrow's basketball career, and they both have to do with his commitment. After he signed with Ohio State, the Buckeyes asked Joe to enroll early, which meant he would have to miss his senior season of basketball. Burrow declined. He had a job to finish on the court, and that was a big deal to Skinner. So was the time Burrow threw for Urban Meyer for the first time at a passing camp in Columbus, Ohio, then drove two hours to Knightstown, Indiana, home of historic Hoosier Gym, for a summer basketball game that really didn't mean that much in the big picture. But it meant a lot to Joe. And that meant a lot to Skinner.
4: his greatest quality that really stood out to me was his dedication to his teammates. Uh, After Joe had committed to Ohio State to play, we had already had a basketball event planned in Indianapolis, near Indianapolis. We had a summer game planned where we were playing a game with referees and cameras and everything um, in the old Hoosier gym where they filmed the movie Hoosiers. So after Joe committed to Ohio State, he became committed to this passing camp at Ohio State, which occurred on the same day as our summer game in Indiana. So Joe goes to Columbus and competes in the passing camp uh, all day long in the sweltering heat throwing who knows how many balls and then jumps in the car with his mom and drives all the way 100, almost 200 miles uh, to Indianapolis to play in that summer game with his teammates. And uh, he's walking in the door as we're getting ready to tip, lacing up his shoes. And I'm on timeout and the referee says, you can't call a timeout, we haven't even started yet. I said, well, at least let Joe get his shoes on and then, and then we'll go from there.
5: Part five: The King of Athens. So, did you guys fly up? I hope flew up. Yeah, flew out of New Orleans to Columbus. Cool. Pretty easy little flight. Stayed on the plane, connected in Atlanta.
9: This can't right be over. a terrible gig for you guys.
5: No, this is a, this, well, is, this a, is a fun little change of do, do you
9: guys work for the school? <laughs>
5: Ryan Adams saw it in a middle school P.E. Before he was Burrow's high school football head coach, Adams had his future quarterback as a student. Once again, basketball provided the window to the intangibles Burrow would later use to thrive on the gridiron.
9: Ed teacher, you know,
5: By far the kind of best job. player in the class, Burrow, uh, on his own, or I've always felt it was kind would of partner up with two or three guys that, in all honesty, to, nobody to, to, else was going to gonna put on their team for three
9: on three the games. kids that were not quite as athletic so that we'd make fair teams and, and stuff throughout all the different things we would do in phys ed. Well, um, where I really noticed uh, that Joe was something a little bit different was uh, we get into the basketball unit, and I, I mean, obviously I knew that he was going to be a really good basketball player as well, and uh, we're, we're doing three-on-three three games, and when we go to pick, pick teams, um, you know, Joe, on his own doing, you know, he grabbed uh, two of the guys that, you know, in all honesty, nobody else was going to put on their team, uh, knowing that he was, uh, that I was probably going to do that to him anyway, that he went ahead and did it on his own, And uh, it got to the point where, you know, even with, you know, those three or four different kids that would be a mix that would be on his team, he'd take them out there, and he would, you know, we'd round robin, and he they would clean everybody out, and so it became then a deal where the next time we'd come out and break out three on three. I was like, all right, Joe, if you score, you can't score the next time. You got one of the other guys has got to score, and they still won everything you know and and the thing that got real neat is then it was like all right you can't score at all uh they got to score all the points and you should have seen this dude tossing the ball off setting picks screening off other guys so that they could just put these little cherry shots in right for basketball and would still win and it's like man this kid is he he just really works hard at making other people around him better And, and more so than anything as far as the athletic part He's able, he, was, he, was, he was so able to be able to relate to all different kinds of kids and, 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 and touch them in some way to at least make them work hard during phys ed because he had them kids red-cheeked, and, and that just doesn't happen for those kids naturally. But
5: By the time he reached high school, Burrow had established himself as one of the school's best athletes. But his future under center was TBD. He'd started as quarterback on the freshman team running a similar pass-heavy attack he had been leading for Smathers' team since 6th grade. Occasionally, he practiced with the varsity, impressing in his scout team duties all over the field. That year, the Bulldog varsity squad won its conference, with a sophomore quarterback starting the last three games. And Joe entered the offseason planning to play wide receiver and defensive back the next season as a sophomore. Man plans, and God laughs. The quarterback ahead of Burrow moved to California, clearing the way for him to take the reins of the offense. That quarterback the same kid whose decision not to play football as a fourth grader opened the door for Burrow's initiation of the position. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Meanwhile, Adams hired one of his former players, Nathan White, to take over as offensive coordinator. His offensive choice? The spread system Burrow had been groomed to operate since middle school.
1: They put in a new offense because Joe could really run and throw, and uh, he had a lot of uh, people around him receivers and and uh, running backs and things like that and and so they basically just like LSU they 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 put in the spread offense at the, the high school level and first time I remember thinking you know maybe there's there's something to Joe being uh, a college quarterback is the the seven on sevens that they did that summer and they were just throwing the ball all over the place and I asked one of the coaches I said is they were just scoring points up and down and I go is you know, is this normal for Athens? And he said, absolutely not. There's, there's, It's just different with, with this group of uh, freshmen that are now sophomores and they had some returning players in our new offense. So, you know, we've seen the evolution of new offenses in high school and LSU. So it's been a good thing for Joe.
5: By the time the fall of his sophomore season rolled around, Burrow was 160 pounds soaking wet. But he understood the offense – and he knew where to throw the ball and when. In his debut, he tossed for 229 yards and three touchdowns in a loss to Gallia Academy. He'd never lose another regular season game in high school.
7: Like it didn't really hit me until like the first varsity game he started. That's high school
5: teammate and lifelong friend Sam Vandervin again.
7: As a quarterback, where he was a sophomore, just, you know, skinny 160-pound quarterback sophomore, and he was just absolutely picking up hard defenses. This was first, it was the first game he started as a high school quarterback, even though we lost. And we were just like, yeah, he's arrived. This is, it's only going up from here. This, is, this kid is really good.
5: The next week, the Bulldogs were in another shootout, this time with Watkins Academy. Adams called it a pinball machine game, back and forth, back and forth. Watkins struck just before half to pull close before Burrow unleashed a 45-yard rocket for a back-breaking touchdown. By game's end, Athens had won 62-54, Burrow had thrown for 324 yards and four touchdowns, rushed for 144 yards and two more touchdowns, and Adams had realized something. He had a difference maker for three more seasons.
9: We just knew that we had our hands on a really special kid, needless to say, and... uh... Once he settled into the job,
5: Burrow started showcasing all the intangibles that have helped elevate him into the Heisman forefront at LSU uh, toughness, competitiveness, uh, poise and preparation, persistence and grit. Um, White quickly learned how much his quarterback loved to hit and get hit during his sophomore season. uh, In games, Burrow sought out contact, refusing uh, to slide or avoid tacklers in the open field. Sound familiar? Always, always In practices, Burrow begged his coaches to get him more snaps on defense.
10: Yeah, my name is John Rogers. I'm the current assistant principal at Athens High School, and my role when Joe was here, I was a social studies teacher. I um, taught psychology and government, and I was, the, um, I was a defensive coach outside linebackers coach and the offensive line coach. Yeah, I think we might not ever know anything about Joe Burrow if we had let him have his way, and I think he'd have been like the middle linebacker on the football team because he was a hitter, he was He a great form tackler, and uh, we got in many difficult situations, when we, especially when we were playing really good teams, um, where we had to make the decision, do we, do we play Joe in this position? Because knowing he's our best, would, would have been one of our best defenders as well. Um, he was such an asset on the offensive side of the ball, but I think he would constantly be begging to go into the game.
5: Nathan White, Burrow's offensive coordinator, wasn't going to let that happen, but it didn't take him long to realize that the best way to get his quarterback going was to run him. One game in the middle of his sophomore year, Burrow and the offense were sputtering. That's when White had an idea.
6: I remember as a sophomore, we had a big game at Jackson, and we were kind of struggling a little bit, and I thought, man, I'm just going to run Joe until he gets into this thing, and he started rolling and got a few hits, and he was like a different man after that, so uh, that was the I think that was week two or three of his sophomore year. Since then, he ran the ball second or third play of every single game.
5: Burrow finished that game with 161 yards on 23 carries, and for the rest of his prep career, Burrow ran the ball on the second or third play of every single game. To this day, White, now the head coach at Athens, runs his quarterbacks early every single game just to get them going. What set Burrow apart, though, was his mental approach to the game. He didn't just process White's game plans. He questioned them. Who are we reading? Can we change this if we get too high? Can we change this if we get one high? He also contributed to them once he gained his coach's trust. How much going back and forth was there, you know, on the whiteboard or whatever drawn up plays?
6: Oh, a ton, a ton. And that was, I've done that more with him than anyone else I've ever coached because he had um, so many questions. That was the neatest part. He was so smart and so great at it, but he always wanted more. You know, why are we doing this? Can we do this? Uh, we did it, you know, for for three straight years, sophomore, junior, senior year, it was it was nonstop scheme stuff. And who are we reading? Can we change this if we get too high or one high? And it was uh, I can't tell you how much fun it was as a coach. it was it was great.
5: Burrow's preparation was unmatched. He spent hours after school on the board with White, drawing up plays and schemes. At home, he watched tape with his dad, studying the previous Friday's game every Thursday to learn from his mistakes. He didn't make many mistakes, but when he did, he responded with brilliance and vengeance.
3: Have Sam tell you about, um, I'd, Sam will probably tell That's you. That's Tom the Vandervan again. The, like the most intentional, you'd see him as after he threw an interception, which is not very often in high school, but yeah. he would light somebody up. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever, you know, picked him off, he would make them pay.
5: His preparation paid off. And it also served as a pressure release for Burrow. The bigger the game, the bigger the moment, the better he played, because in no small part of how much he prepared for those games. Higher stakes increased his focus in a way Tom Vandervin chalks up to first responders' DNA. Ryan Adams, his high school coach, chalks it up to Joe being Joe.
9: I, I think a lot of it has to do with his ability to prepare and his uh, he's just relentless in preparation. Um, and I think that that's... You know how he ends up dealing with the pressure of big games, and always, always had his best games when, it, when the most was on the line. Um, and I think a lot of that he deals with that by just preparing and preparing and preparing.
5: As his career progressed, his confidence grew. Rogers remembers picking on Burrow before one rainy game against Meg's High School, telling him the weather wouldn't allow him to throw the ball all over the yard the way he liked. The rain doesn't touch my ball, Burrow barked back. His confidence was also contagious. Tom Vandervin points to an overtime win over Tri-Valley during Joe's junior season. When the Athens defense forced a field goal on the first overtime drive, Vandervin knew the game was over.
3: So it was, would have been junior year. Was it the sectionals? I'm trying to remember. Um, we were playing Tri-Valley, and, and it was the furthest um, Athens had ever gone, the latest win that they had in, mm-hmm. in the tournament junior year. Against Tri Valley, and um, back and forth, not exactly a defensive struggle. You know, tons of points, and, and it ended up being a tie, and went to overtime. And then Tri Valley um, kicked a field goal. They had, they got the ball first. They kicked a the field goal, and then we had the ball. And and everyone who knew Joe, everyone who had been around, said, "Said so this game is over. It's done. There was no, there was no drama." First play, he ran it
6: in.
3: And it was just, I I don't remember feeling that way about, like, I'm such a pessimistic sports fan. My teams are all terrible, and they all break my heart. But in that situation, I knew.
5: By his senior year, Burrow was 40 pounds heavier and an unstoppable force in the Tri-Valley Conference. He threw for 4,445 yards and 63 touchdowns with just two interceptions, rushed for 642 more yards, and even caught a touchdown pass on his own deflected pass. Athens set an Ohio record with 861 points and marched to the state championship game for the first time in school history. Burrow played both ways in a 56-52 shutout loss to Central Catholic, throwing for 452 yards and six touchdowns on offense and playing every snap on defense.
10: I personally think that in the championship game it helped him to play better. Um... On offense, because he just never got out of rhythm. He was just always in the game. That's John Rogers again. Uh, he played corner for us in that game and did really well. And I think he just never he never felt like he was out of the rhythm of the game. He just it was continuous Ironman football for him. And uh, so for him, he could play that entire game without coming out both directions. <coughs> <coughs> and I think it actually made him a better player. Heroic as his performance was, the
5: game broke Burrow's heart.
0: I think it's easily the worst feeling in the world worst day of my life um not much more to be said
5: despite his valiant play he called it the worst day of his life in a teary-eyed post-game press conference and three days later when he posed for his senior basketball picture the aftermath still rested heavy in his eyes
1: he, he doesn't like to lose so uh you know you can see that that one picture of, of the basketball uh, picture which was a few days i think after the state championship game and He's not happy. He, he's, he still carried that loss, uh, you know, w- with him uh, quite, quite a long time.
5: Burrow may have cared about that loss, but college coaches didn't. They loved everything they saw in Burrow, who by this time had won Mr. Football in Ohio and signed with Ohio State. Still, when they showed up to ask Adams about his quarterback and do their due diligence on the recruiting trail, he gave them all the same line.
9: He's uh... He's a son of a bitch, man. <laughs> you know, the, the biggest thing that I told everybody, the, the recruiting process, I mean, we had Bama and everybody in here for him. And the thing that I told all those coaches that came in here to see Joe is I said, I don't think there's a better thing to say about a kid other than this. That's the son of a bitch you don't want on that other sideline. Yeah. Because he's going to find a way to beat you. <laughs>
5: Six, waiting in the wings. They all saw it in college, too, even as Burrow's opportunity to shine never manifested itself in Columbus. Burrow knew what he signed up for when he signed with the Buckeyes. His freshman season, he shared a quarterback room with Cardale Jones, who had just led Ohio State to the national championship, and JT Barrett, who had finished his career with 25 school records and the most touchdown passes in Big Ten history. Never once did he shy away from the competition. A late bloomer in recruiting circles, Burrow kept a chip on his shoulder throughout his time at Ohio State. He knows the name of all the players who were ranked ahead of him by recruiting services and the guys who made Elite 11 ahead of him.
2: Coming out of Athens High School in the Plains, Joe was the most decorated quarterback in Ohio high school football history. So the next step seemed obvious.
0: You know, I had this great high school career and and then I go to Ohio State, You know, I'm thinking I'm gonna be the man after One year, two years max, and it just didn't end up happening.
2: After only appearing in a handful of games...
5: As a redshirt freshman, Burrow played in five games, completing 22 of 28 passes for 226 yards and two scores as Barrett's backup. His sophomore season, he played in five more games, going 7 for 11 for 61 yards, while freshman and future first-round NFL draft pick Dwayne Haskins entered the fold. Barrett's graduation opened the door for a battle between Burrow and Haskins for the starting role in 2018. It was neck and neck all spring, and Burrow showed with 15 of 22 completions for 247 yards and two touchdowns in a breakout spring game performance that he could produce at this level. Nice touch from Joe
2: Burrow. Six more for the Scarlet Squad. All right, this is obviously a busted coverage, but watch Burrow here. Here comes a linebacker really unblocked right in his face. He's got the poise to sit right in there and put the ball right on the money.
5: What do you remember about the time when he was at Ohio State, he was battling for the starting job, going into his, I guess it would have been his third year there. Didn't work out for him, and he had to make a decision, do I stay here or do I pursue another spot? What do you remember about that time?
7: Sam Vanderbin? I just remember it being really tough. Like, I mean, me as a friend looking at it, because, I mean, I knew that he could have taken that job. I knew he was good enough for it. But, you know, sometimes if it doesn't work out one place, that's not the end of the world, Right. And he should have been able to, you know, branch out and see what else is happening. And LSU, luckily, almost fell into his lap, and it's been a perfect fit.
1: The Ohio State uh, thing was frustrating because Jimmy Burrow. Uh, most people there would say, "Hey, you, you know, you're you, you can play here. Uh, you, you and Dwayne Haskins are are dead even." So, so it was always. Uh, yeah, you, you you can you can do it, and you can be a great quarterback. But the opportunity was just never there. And, and once again, he's I think he uses that as as a incentive uh, at LSU.
5: Burrow talked with his family. He talked with his coaches. He had a decision to make. He had a question to ask himself. An answer to discover.
10: Well, I think one I, I talked to Joe at some point when he was. When things weren't looking... John Rogers. You know, when, when I think it was Dwayne Haskins was named the starter at Ohio State, I kind of talked to Joe said, hey, man, what's the plan? You know, what do you think? And I think Joe was kind of setting out, it depends on what my goals are. Like, if my goal is to try to make it in the NFL, um, then I've got to make that decision-making pathway. If if mine is to just get my degree and go into business and just sort of leave football behind me, I've got to make that decision. So for my own selfish reasons, I was hoping that he would make the decision to do what he did. Um, so that I could keep following this story. And I think everybody here was hopeful that he would do what he did because we knew that he had the potential to, um, to be special like he is, and I think Joe always knew he had that potential. So,
5: Schools across the country came after Burrow, perhaps even more than came after him in high school. Jimmy and Robin helped him whittle down the list to a select few. He wanted to go to a school that needed a quarterback, but he didn't want to be handed the job. He didn't want to drop down outside of the Power Five. Most importantly... He wanted to win. In LSU, Burrow found both a fit and connections. The Tigers needed a quarterback, and the Burrows also had ties to the staff through Bill Bush and Dave Aranda. Bush coached at Nebraska when Joe's older brother Dan played there and at Ohio State during Joe's freshman season, while Aranda and Jimmy Burrow knew each other through coaching circles. Serendipity struck in the stars above and Mississippi. Jimmy, a Mississippi native, was recruiting at Copiah Lincoln Community College the spring before Joe's transfer when he bumped into LSU Offensive Coordinator Steve Ensminger.
1: Well, I had uh, seen uh, Coach Ensminger at, I recruited the Mississippi Junior Colleges and uh, had had seen uh, Coach Enzminger at uh, Colan, south of Jackson. And I think that was before Joe had decided, but I just said, hey, uh, Coach, you know, he's, trying to decide what he's going to do as far as transferring. Just wanted to uh, say, hey, you know, if, if you're interested, it, it might happen. And then when it did, uh, I reached out to, to Bill Bush, and uh, I did know Dave Aranda, so there was some communication there, but Bill was the pretty much the, the point, point man. And I said, uh, yeah, he's transferring. Would you guys be interested? And they got back fairly quickly.
5: LSU was very interested. Burrow and his parents visited Baton Rouge in May, and Dan, a resident of Houston, joined too. Robin handled the academics and logistical side of the visit. Jimmy and Joe talked X's and O's with Edwards, Ron, Insminger, Bush, and other LSU staffers. A conversation scheduled for two hours went four.
8: Oh, it was a great visit. Joe's parents. We, um, we were definitely focused on Joe being able to spend enough time with um, all the coaches. We weren't really sure how that was going to go when we when we – got there, but um, we wanted to make sure he had enough time to spend and ask enough questions about the, the offense and, you know, their thought process about – because they had, what, three other quarterbacks yeah. on roster at that point that, um, you know, we had no idea if Joe would be able to get there and win a spot. So he needed to know a lot about, you know, those kids – needed to understand where they were going with the offense, um, if if he felt like he was going to be able to fit in. Because, I mean, it's a huge culture change from Ohio to Louisiana. And we have some experience because Jimmy's from Mississippi with the South, but it's still very different. And um, so there was a lot for him to sort through that day but um, we really just wanted to make sure he had enough time to talk to those guys, and you know, Foot- they, were, they were great. F-
1: football yeah. was, was, you know, what offense you're going to run. Because some, some of the people that were recruiting Joe just said, hey, why, why would you even consider LSU? They're going to get in the I formation, hand the ball off to, to one of those great running backs, uh, you know, 40, 50 times. So he had to sort through that uh, that weekend.
5: Uh, the Burroughs bought into LSU's vision. Joe took a week to make up his mind, shutting out even his parents on the decision-making. His other primary suitor was Cincinnati, and he bounced ideas off his brothers for a week while making up his mind. Eventually, the idea of playing for SEC and national championships won out over playing closer to home. Joe had to compete, and he had to compete at the highest level.
1: Then transferring out of Ohio State, basically that's why he chose LSU and the SEC, because they were still, some people still thought, well, uh... You know he couldn't play at Ohio State, and and uh, uh, maybe he should just you know drop down a level. And so I think in his mind, picking a school in the SEC that uh, was was capable of of doing what they're doing, but hadn't done it in a while, was was key to to his his uh, deciding to go there. He probably talked to uh, Jamie and Dan, uh, the older brothers, m- more. Maybe even during that week, then, which he didn't talk to us. So, but I think he was communicating with with those two, and Coach uh, Dan was was there with us uh, at that recruiting visit, and uh, uh, you know, they they, I think they gave good advice, and and uh, and then it, just as I said, came down to uh, playing football at the highest level and a chance to win the national championship, and that's why he went to LSU.
5: Part 7, I Told You. They all see it at LSU now. They're just happy
10: everyone else can see it too. I think everyone everyone around here That's John Rogers again. probably has a, a collective sigh of relief that we weren't just seeing things.
5: Burrow had little time to settle in upon his summer arrival to Baton Rouge. He had to learn a new offense and a new roster. He knew he would guess the names of about 10 players, maybe, when he first walked in the LSU locker room. His parents spaced out their visits. They tried to balance keeping him comfortable and connected to family with giving him space to find his feet in a new city with an entirely new culture and a new program with a foreign scheme. I knew
0: probably 10 people's name on the team when I was here at this point last year, and you know, I was just getting used to living in Louisiana, getting used to the culture, getting used to the players and the coaches and the offense. Uh, I hadn't been under center in, since sixth grade when I, until I first came here, and so I basically had to learn a new way to play football. I'd never been under center before, so I'd never done that footwork, play action, turn your back, seven-step drop. That, that was brand new to me because I literally had never done that in my life. Um, so that was, that was brand new to me, so I had to learn that in about a month and a half.
5: To Joe, this was a business decision he treated LSU like a graduate internship. There was no time to waste on the excesses of college. Win a job, then win some games.
0: I've been telling everybody since I got here, like, I'm looking at it, I had my three years of college. I was a college guy for three years, longer than I wanted to be. And I graduated, moved down here, and this is kind of my, I'm looking at it as my first job out of college. And so that means you gotta be a pro Um, no nonsense, no parties, nothing like a, like a normal college guy. This is, I'm looking at this like a
5: professional job. Burrow got through his first year in Baton Rouge on sheer grit, with his talent and toughness taking over where his comfort levels were deficient. The family knew he was at home before he ever took a snap. The only photo Joe has in his Baton Rouge apartment is from the moments before the 2018 opener against Miami when he threw up an L with one hand while walking away from a pregame scuffle with the Hurricanes. How how quickly did it feel like he had found a home at LSU? The the memory that I always think of is the Miami game before the game when he, he held up the L after the little pregame scuffle and I was yeah. kind of looking at him because we're still trying to get a feel for this yeah. this kid and we're like, okay, there's there's something a little bit
1: different about him. How quickly did it feel like he had kind of ingrained himself from the outside, from from y'all's perspective? That probably... I mean, he'd never even been on the field uh, in, in a game yet when, when that happened. And, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of watching from, from the stands. And, and, uh, but, but you knew right then that, that he was part of the team and that he cared about that team and, and, and they cared about him. And, and uh, you know, so that was, uh, that was, that was huge to, to be in, involved in, in that. Uh, I think the, he would tell you the Auburn game. Was was another kind of a turning point for for him to say, you know, w- we can really do some things here at LSU, and I can be a big part of it, and I can be a factor, and uh, Georgia, and, and Georgia, and you're going, uh, uh, yeah. That's that's those are those were the defining moments for for him to know he he made a good decision.
5: Even the lowest moment served as a platform for Burrow. His late pick six in a road loss at Florida stung almost as much as that state championship defeat in high school.
8: Right after each of those losses, I mean, he certainly um, took them to heart. Um, the Florida loss was, uh, you know, for, for Joe and, like, for my perception of Joe, I was 100% sure that he was going to do exactly what he'd always done, which would be, at the end there, Drive his team down the field and score. Hmm. I mean, I I was just dumbfounded, um, and he was heartbroken. I know when he threw that interception, and I know that he feels very responsible for that loss. Um, so that was heartbreaking. But you know, you can't you can't be heartbroken for very long in the SEC. You got to strap up your boots and go on to the next thing. So.
5: Burrow took more lumps as a junior. The overtime loss to Texas A&M was the second dagger, Robin says, but he's always had an ability to catalyze defeat, to harness heartbreak, to transform it into motivation and clarity of thought. He takes defeats hard, but they don't hold him back. In fact, they have the opposite effect.
8: I think he can channel that frustration into positive energy, really. I I, I think that he definitely... um, internalizes things a little bit but uses it in a po- positive way.
5: LSU's move to a true spread attack during the offseason gave Burrow the external impetus to match his internal motor. When Orgeron hired Joe Brady from the Saints, Barrett, a practice squad player in New Orleans during Brady's time there, instantly called his former Ohio State teammate.
1: You know, they they had given him a a playlist to 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 look at, uh but but I think that was after Joe Brady came and uh but but I know that that they had met with Joe and said, hey, you know, we're we're going to throw the football a lot this year, and then the, the next thing you know, Joe Brady is hired, and uh, uh, J T Barrett, who's one of Joe's uh, closest friends from Ohio State, was on the practice squad with the Saints, and immediately called Joe, uh, our Joe, and said, hey, you're gonna you're gonna love Coach Brady, and he's going to bring a lot to to your offense, to your team. So Joe was sold before he ever even met uh, Joe Brady because of of his respect for JT. The rest is
5: history. Literal, actual, quantifiable college football history. Through 11 games, Burrow has thrown for 4,014 yards, 41 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions while completing 78.9% of his passes. He's already broken LSU's single-season passing records, and he's on pace to break the SEC yardage and touchdown tallies, as well as the national completion percentage mark. After leading the Tigers to a win over Alabama and back to the SEC title game in Atlanta for the first time in eight years, he's the Heisman favorite. Most importantly to Burrow, he's 11-0. And
0: That's all that's ever mattered to me, winning games. You know, when my stats weren't great last year and we were winning games, I said the same thing. I'm going
5: to say the same thing this year. In the Plains, as Burrow smashes records and smothers defenses, they say the same thing they said 15 years ago when Burrow walked up the hill to football camp with his sunglasses on and set the town on fire for a decade, one touchdown at a time. That's Joe.
6: Because I never wavered once. I, th- this is Joe. What he's doing right now. Nathan White. It sounds crazy to say, but it doesn't surprise me at all. He, he is the, I thought he was this good when he was a sophomore in high school, and I'm so proud that he's gotten here. And
5: Adams, his high school coach, knew it after one game. When he saw Burrow dismantle Georgia Southern in LSU season opener, it was deja vu all over again. He'd seen this all before. The same plays, the same firepower, the same execution, the same executioner at quarterback. It was Georgia Southern and Texas and Tri-Valley and Megs and Alexander and Nelsonville, York, and it didn't matter who, because when Burrow has that kind of offense at his fingertips and that cocktail of confidence and competitiveness in his bloodstream, you're powerless to stop him.
9: After the very first game this year, once I seen them executing that offense the way that they were, I had I had a lot of faith at that point in time that he's going to light it up all year long.
7: So it's funny. I was just talking to our coaches about that. Sam Vandervan. I knew I know that Joe is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I know that from the bottom of my heart that I know that he could play with anybody. But as good of a friend as he is to me, seeing Heisman is just like, oh my God. Like he's... A front runner for the freaking Heisman Trophy. That's still very hard for me to believe, but I don't doubt that his skill set is in, is worthy of a Heisman. No one does, not anymore, not after
5: hooking Texas, chomping Florida, and rolling up more points on a Nick Saban defense than any quarterback since Drew Brees. There's divine destiny in that detail too. Burrow's favorite team growing up, the New Orleans Saints big Reggie Bush guy
1: a lot of stars had had to align yeah. to, to get to this point and you know, so far they've they lined up pretty good
0: this is why I, this is why I decided to transfer this is why I decided to come down here and play with this guy and, and all those guys over there you know these are these are the games you live for and you work so hard for you know I thought I thought I would be on this stage I didn't think I would be in this Jersey though you know, it's been it's been a bumpy road it's been a long one but I couldn't be in a better place.
5: Hello, hello. Joe will uh, take questions. The reporters see it too, finally, the vision Burrow tried to express months ago. Moments after beating Alabama, Burrow is back in front of the media, many of whom were among those questioning Burrow that summer day in Thibodeau. Burrow's hair is still short, his smile still ear to ear, but now what he knows is no secret. With his Heisman bona fides in plain sight and his team leading a championship charge, Burrow is asked about those comments, that promise of points to come. The assurance he's long since delivered upon. The repetition of history. The perfect alignment of those stars. I told you. Nobody believed me. I told you. People believe what they see. And they believe now. They see the evolution of Joe Burrow. Isn't really an evolution at all. He is who he was. He will be who he has been. All that's changed is the stage and the stakes. The platform from which he wows the world the most transformational player in college football, has transformed very little. This is who Joe Burrow has always been. He's just been given the opportunity to be seen. And now everyone sees. It's what Burrow always saw in himself and what the plane saw long ago. The fire, the poise, the grit, the talent. That's him. That's Joe but I just can't say enough good things about about this program.
0: I mean, I grew up watching football, so LSU Alabama was always you know a hard nosed matchup I enjoyed watching. Um, you know, it was, it was, this was just such a great night for us. But you know, one thing I want to make sure that we know is
5: a special thanks goes to all the people in the Plains, Ohio, who made this entire project possible course we have to start with jimmy and robin burrow thank you for your time thank you for opening up your house thank you for your son thanks also to ryan adams nathan white tom and sam vandervan john rogers sam smathers jeff skinner and everyone at athens high school thanks to matt tornquist the joe burrow of the college football video game thanks to travis brand at gg's country diner for breakfast Thank you for listening. That catch that he made was
0: incredible. And then you also have to stop him on the downhill run. He's gonna he's gonna play a long time.
6: You always talk about that. Does this validate what you have been doing?
0: I think he's been validating it for three years. You know, the record against top ten teams, the record on the road, you know, winning, winning last year's bowl game, winning winning big games. That's just what Coach O does. He gets us ready. I don't think this proved, you know, probably elevated him to an, to another level, but he's been proving it his entire time here.
4: What was your <laughs> mindset after Alabama cut into six there?
0: there? was no panic on the sideline. We, we knew we had to go down and score to win the game. We were probably going to have to score twice. And so, you know, I just went around and, and told my guys, hey, we, we score two more times, we win the game. That's exactly what we did.
3: You, you, you said that every evening.
0: Yeah, we knew they were going to have something. Every team does. You know, they went out and they played dime a couple times. They they had a pressure package that um, was pretty tough for me to see. I got I got a lot of them picked up, but they got me a couple times. Um They, I mean, they you could tell they, they had a game plan for us. They played very well in that middle of the game.
3: Passing and last in the game in comparison to this
6: one, how you can adjust and how, how comfortable throughout this game
0: I have, I have confidence in our scheme. I have confidence in our coaches. I have confidence in my guys. And that's really all that it comes down to. I, I know, you know, in one-on-one situations, my guys are going to make a play. That's all that matters. What
9: did you the yeah,
5: touchdown
0: Yeah, you know, we have we have a couple, you know, fastball plays that can give defenses struggles. And, you know, our coach's staff does a great job of, Coming up with those, and you know, it's it's hard when when you go fast and you and you in a bunch formation, you put different people in different situations, and they gotta recognize it very quickly, and then get their get their defense called, and then see all the crossers and all that kind of stuff. So that's that's all, Coach E and Coach Joe. I'll leave I'll leave that one. Out. I'll leave that. I'll leave that one out. absolutely i think that you know i enjoy getting hit sometimes and it makes me feel like a, a real football player instead of a quarterback people can kind of look down on quarterbacks if they're, if they're not taking hits but you know i like i like mixing it up in there i told you nobody believed me i told you, you uh, sure, i know you grew up around football and
3: you can care less about individual awards right now
0: Obviously, growing up, you know, you watch the ceremony, you watch how much it means to people. You grow up wanting to win that award. But then when you, when I got to college, you know, I realized team success breeds all the individual awards, and that's all that's ever mattered to me, winning games. I, you know, when my stats weren't great last year and we were winning games, I said the same thing. I'm going to say the same thing this year. Joe,
4: Joe how you guys were blowing them out? Did you expect them to, to come back? Did you think you should
0: blow the game over we knew they were going to come back. That's that's Alabama on the other side. That's not – that's Alabama. Dynasty. You know, we, we knew that, that we were going to get their best shot in the second half. They came out firing. I, I loved how we responded, though. Joe, did you enjoy the play calling? on those two answer drives where he extended it to two score
9: leads? It was the same as Texas where, you know, they really pushed it, be it Emcee or be it Brady. What's that like as a quarterback that there's faith in those push situations and you're not just
0: – Yeah, you know, I got on the headset – and I overheard him saying, "Put the ball in nine's hands." That that means so much to a quarterback when when those two guys have have tr- the two guys calling plays. I've trust in you to go out and win the game. And I like to think that I've worked I've worked hard enough that, that they do put that trust in me, and, and and my guys trust me as well.
6: Joe can take one more question.
9: Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's just time in the weight room, you know. Everyone's called me sneaky fast for about 15 years. I think everyone knows what that means. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys.